our environments very much affect our psyche and kind of how we function. And so being able to do that in my own home, I found it was just as much fun to do it for others because I don't think people realize how much their home affects them until they have a home in a situation where they're in love with it. Thomas Edison, Richard Branson, John F. Kennedy, Mozart, Michael Jordan, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of vocations. Why is it that we rarely hear that they have or had ADHD? And you know what we hear even less about? Serena Williams, Emma Watson, Mel Robbins, Whoopi Goldberg, Agatha Christie, Aaron Brockovich, Cher. Yeah, the successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Otsuka. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, now a coach. I'm also the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your strengths, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest gifts. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am your host, Tracy Otsuka. Thank you so much for joining me here for ADHD for Smartass Women. I hope you'll subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter over at tracyoutsuka.com. As you can see, I am still in my son's studio in New York City, and we just had all kinds of cement mixers joining us earlier. So I was crossing my fingers that they would be gone by now, and I think um, the gods have smiled on us. Anyway, you know my purpose is always to show you who you are and then inspire you to be it in the thousands of ADHD women that I've had the privilege of meeting. I've never met a one that wasn't truly brilliant at something, not one. So of course, I am just delighted to introduce you to Stephanie. Stephanie Calderon, did I get that right, Stephanie? You did. (laughs) Is a self-made, self-taught interior designer who grew up in Buffalo, New York and attended college at the State University of New York, SUNY, at Fredonia, where she received a bachelor's in communication with an emphasis in public relations. Shortly after graduation, she moved to Charlotte, North Carolina to chase sunshine and new experiences. She also jumped from marketing job to marketing job, all while helping friends and family with their interior design. In 2019, what started as a hobby eventually turned to a side hustle to her corporate marketing role. In July of 2021, Stephanie made her side hustle her main hustle. She realized that interior design was always the one thing she could get lost in for hours. It was the one thing that she could do and always be happy. Stephanie wrote me and said that listening to ADHD for Smartass Women, this podcast has gotten her to where she is today. It's helped her to learn about herself and the way her neurodivergent brain works. She claims this podcast has even helped her in her personal life. We'll talk about that. Today, she owns a boutique design firm in Charlotte and has one full-time employee. Is it Charlotte? 
It is. Yep. Oh my gosh. I always mix up Charlotte, Charlottesville, and Charleston. Yeah. Literally <laughs> one time I booked a plane to Charlotte. It was the wrong place. I ended up rebooking <laughs> to Charleston. And then as I was sitting at the uh, terminal to get onto the plane, someone ran by and said, the flights to Charlottesville have been canceled due to weather. I got up, ran downstairs, got in line to figure out what to do next. Meanwhile, my plane to Charleston took off. <laughs> There's something in my brain between those three. I cannot get it right. So I, I, get I ended that. up. You've done that too? I've, I've, I've done similar situational <laughs> things. Yes. <laughs> I landed at 1.30 in the morning, missed the whole dinner. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Oh, no. Okay. So let me, let me finish what I was reading. She started, today she owns a boutique design firm in Charlotte and as one full-time employee, she started by furnishing homes, but has since added multiple major renovations and new builds for busy families looking to put roots down in the Queen City, which is that what they call Charlotte, the Queen City? They do. Ah, okay. So Stephanie Calderon, did I get all of that right? You did. Thank you so much, Tracy. That was wonderful. Absolutely. Welcome. I'm delighted to have you here. And you know that we always want to start out talking about the ADHD diagnoses first. So can you tell us what were the circumstances around your diagnoses? Yeah, absolutely. So this is actually kind of a funny story. And I would say that you're a big part of it, you and your podcast. So back in actually 2015, I was working for a very popular, very busy restaurant here in Uptown Charlotte, where I was a sales and marketing manager and every holiday season, it was it was the place to be for a lot of corporate companies that are in Uptown Charlotte. And so I had spent a whole busy season trying to figure out, you know, how all this worked, all the moving parts. It was like paying Tetris, trying to get all these different happy hours and dinners and and events put together. And going into my second holiday season a year into this role, I just knew that something was off. Like I just couldn't stay focused. Um, not to mention uh, the the small office that we had was within the restaurant. So not only was I getting all the phone calls from everyone calling in, I had servers coming in asking for pens. I was just constantly being pulled away from my thought process. So I thought, oh gosh, I have got to go get checked out. There's just it just took me so long to get back into what I was doing when I was interrupted. So in hopes of getting some sort of help, I did go to my general practitioner, kind of explain my symptoms, if you will. And they sent me to get an ADHD test. And from there, I was actually diagnosed with ADHD. But it's funny because I didn't believe I actually had it because like Mm -hmm. a lot of us, we think that ADHD means you're just bouncing off the walls. And that's what we're, you know, led to believe as we're growing up. And so I kind of pushed it aside, but I did take the medication that was offered to me just to get myself through that holiday season. And I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty now, but I think I was on way too high of a dose. It definitely helped me get through those like 80 parties I had in three weeks. But I was, my brain was moving way too fast for my mouth. I was stuttering. I wasn't eating. I just was all over the place, but I was able to focus a little bit better on work. So long story short, I didn't think I had it. And then I discovered your podcast in 2020, actually. And that was when I was listening. I, one of your podcast members, was talking about her struggles throughout school and it just brought me to tears. And I was like, oh, wow, I really do have ADHD. So um, many, many years later after being diagnosed, it really dawned on me that I have it. And since then, I've listened to your podcast very regularly and learned so much about my own brain. So thank you for that. 
You're absolutely welcome. That's what we're (laughs) here for. So how long was it between the time you got diagnosed and was it 2020 when you started listening to Mm -hmm. the podcast and you're like, oh, gosh, yeah, it's ADHD. Yeah. So 2015, I was diagnosed. And so about five years. Yeah. Okay. And I think we do that because, I mean, even today, there are times that I think, is it really ADHD? (laughs) And am I that different, right, than other people? Yep. And then something will happen and you're like, yeah, I guess it is. (laughs) Yep. I've been in that situation many times myself. So I would love to know what Stephanie was like as a child. Sure. So growing up, I always felt that I knew what was happening. Like I was, I was smart. I was intuitive. I actually growing up and I think it was like grade school. I was, I was in a gifted program growing up in grade Ah. school, which is so funny because back in grade school, we were able to pick the topics we wanted to research. A lot of it was like additional arts and crafts. And it was stuff that I've always been into in the creative realm. So mm-hmm. I was in Excel programming, but as school went on and you had to take more of like the core subjects, I just never felt like I was smart enough. Like things just felt painful sometimes to learn, such as like math and science and and history. I just, it just wasn't in me. Um, I remember specifically sitting at the kitchen table with my dad learning fractions and I was just hunched over in my chair in what felt like physical pain. Um, I just, it wasn't coming to me. And my dad being a finance guy and in, in, in accounting his whole life, he just was like, what, what is that making sense? And I was like, all of it. They get I, so frustrated with you, yes. right? I, mean, so, I literally remember my dad. And my dad is not the kind of person to ever say anything negative. But this is not what you tell a child. Same thing. And I was probably yeah. fractions too. And I remember him looking at me and going, are you stupid or something? <laughs> You don't tell a child that, but I really, I just couldn't get it. Yeah, that was similar situation. And I feel like because of that, and while it wasn't so many words said, I always felt like the stupid child. I have two brothers, one older and one younger. And while I don't believe they've ever actually been tested, they're very neurotypical. And so growing up next to them who also went into finance, I just felt like the dumb child always. But I always felt like I was more intuitive, I guess, if you will, like common sense things and, and street smarts always came pretty natural to me. Like, and it's funny because I think it's foreshadowing, but like something as simple as hanging a curtain rod. I was taught a lot of that. My mom taught me that. And it was just very simple and obvious. But growing up, my brother was like, how do you know how to do this stuff? I'm like, oh, it just, it just comes naturally. But I could say the same to them when it came to numbers. I'm like, how do you understand this stuff? I'm like, we just the get thing- it. The thing about it, Stephanie, is I would think that what you do now requires a lot of math. It does require a lot of math, but it's more (laughs) basic math, if you will. It's adding, subtracting. It's the stuff that made sense in school to me, like some adding, subtracting, dividing and things like that. Some angles, some very basic Mm -hmm. angles. It's not like the cosines and all the crazy trigonometry and stuff that they made us sit through that I was like, when are we ever going to need this? That was the uh-huh. stuff I really struggled through. Yeah. And, and that's really typical for the ADHD brain. If we don't understand why we need to learn this, yeah. we don't understand the big picture. There's no point in learning it, right? Yeah. Because yep. it doesn't serve <laughs> us. I mean, it makes sense to me. I can completely relate to that. So how are you socially in school? 
I was pretty social. I never really thought anything of that. I do notice now that I get a little bit more social anxiety and it's because my brain is is always firing on all c- cylinders mm-hmm. um, that I feel like sometimes like I overshare occasionally, not as much <laughs> as I did as a kid. I think I've been able to acquire that a little bit better, but I will occasionally stutter through things. I'm like, why am I nervous? This is a good friend. But for the most part, I don't remember friendships being an issue. Not a problem. So you ended up going to college. So I'm curious what happened. So did did it get more difficult when you went to high school? It did because it was more classes that were even more difficult, obviously, than the years before. Every year just got harder and harder. And it was just more subjects that I wasn't super interested in. But it always depended on the teacher and how engaging they were with the kids. Uh, I mean, we had a, I specifically remember this wonderful English teacher I had and they made it fun. They they gave us projects that were art projects and just really used that right brain, which uh-huh. I feel like I excel at a little bit better. And then my grades were great. But when it was very black and white and math and, and science and stuff, I just I really struggled through those classes. Okay. So despite all that, you ended up going to college. So you thought that, well, you probably thought you had no choice, right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, yep. your brothers and sisters are going to college. Your parents went to college. You had to go to college. Yep. That so, was the route we um, took. How did you do in college? I did okay. It was the same thing. It was, I went to school. I, best, I guess I should backtrack, actually. My junior year of high school, I had done this whole project, this whole research project, and presented to my class about how I was going to High Point, North Carolina, which was, or it is, the number one interior design school in the country. But it's so down here. So you already here. knew then. You already knew so, then. Oh, yeah. I, I think I had yeah. known... I think I know my whole life. I used to, it was the one thing that I could really truly get lost in. I would sit in my room as a kid and circle things and catalogs. I knew I would never get, but I would love doing that. I would rearrange my room and redecorate and hang things on the wall. And just, I was always doing that. My grandma's actually, she was a seamstress. She owned her own seamstress okay. business and interior design. So I feel like I like to say it's in the blood. Uh-huh. Um, so I knew at a very young age, but I did this whole project about how I was coming down here to North Carolina and my parents who are separated, they were like, you know, we can't afford to send you out of state. So you had to choose one of the SUNY system schools, which was the State University of New York. So I chose Fredonia and they didn't have, there weren't any SUNY schools that had a really great design program. So I took what I thought was a more practical approach and went into communications and public relations because I thought that was somewhat creative. It wasn't, but I will say it was more creative than the other classes I was taking in college. So I feel like those are the classes I did a little bit better in than, say, the core classes they make you take. It was like the more I got into the classes that are were related to my major, the better I did. So I felt like college got, it got easier as college went on because you got more yeah. and more specific. Do you feel today, though, that you did communications and public relations that it's helped you in what it oh, is yeah. that you really love and want to do? Yeah, I would definitely say so because so much of what we learned there was business oriented. So I use a lot of that in my day to day. And it's funny because I got into interior design because I thought I'd be designing all day long and that's all I would do. But really it's like 10 to 20% of it. The rest of it is is the behind the scenes, not so fun stuff. But yeah, I don't think I would be where I am today without getting that communication public relations role. Yeah. No. And I think that's what we often find that, you know, we're in these majors and we do these jobs, careers, professions, whatever you want to call them. And we're like, I hate this. But ultimately, it does serve us once we figure out 
what it is that we really want to do and that we really love. And like you said, you've known since you were a child that this is what you wanted. Yeah, That's absolutely. Great. So once you knew it was ADHD and you had the benefit of hindsight, what are some of the symptoms that you always wondered about, but you now recognize them as, oh my gosh, that was my ADHD? Oh gosh, where do I start? Um, I would say one of them was my memory. It's so funny because catching up with girlfriends from high school or even middle school, they remember these little minute details that I'm like, was I even there? And they're like, yes, you were there. You said this, you did this. And I'm like, well, gosh. Um, but it is funny because I will say there are certain things where I'm not, I don't expect myself to remember it. Like when it comes to work, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh my gosh, I didn't order that one thing. And so it, it's helped me in some regards. Like it reminds me like, hey, you've got to, you know, don't forget you have to do this. And so, sorry. And don't you find too, Stephanie, that so they remember all this stuff, but then you will remember this weird, obscure thing. And for me, it'll start with, I remembered what I was wearing. 30 yeah, years yes. ago. <laughs> and once I know what I'm wearing, then I can kind of put the rest of the picture together. That's exactly it. I've actually asked that before. Hey, do you by chance remember what I was wearing? <laughs> and it'll, it'll jog my memory. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Um, there's other things like you've you've mentioned. Um, I'm a very much a list writer if it's out of sight, out of mind. So it either like if it's like, hey, don't forget to take this medication or this supplement or something, I'll have to have it on the counter or it'll have to be in writing so that I don't forget to do it. So there's little things that I've heard along your podcast and have just helped me tremendously in my journey. Do you take medication? I do not. Does it work for you? You know, I'm not actually sure. It, I would say it, it helps, but I felt like I my heart was racing and I maybe it was just too high of a dose, but I don't, it just, it wasn't, it didn't feel right. No, it didn't yeah. feel right. Yeah. Okay. And what was, because someone's going to ask, and what was the medication that you tried? Adderall. Okay. <laughs> Which is the one they always put us on yeah. first, yeah. right? <laughs> Adderall yep. or Ritalin, but usually I hear Adderall. So what has changed since you were diagnosed? And I guess I should rephrase that because it sounds like not a lot changed when you were initially diagnosed. It took five years for you to kind of wrap your head around, oh, yeah, this is who I am. This is part of, you know, my daily experience. So what has changed? Well, I think it's a big part of it is just understanding myself and my brain. I think for a while there I was beating myself up, myself up over not remembering things or just feeling like I was a little bit different. So like I mentioned earlier, I'm very big on keeping lists. I know that if things are out of sight, they're out of mind. I set reminders. I am very strict and always have an up-to-date calendar, especially when it comes to work. But even now I'll put personal things on there. Like if I agreed to go for a walk with a girlfriend, say next Tuesday, it's on that calendar because if it's not, it'll escape me. But I think the biggest thing is structure and routine. I'm someone who definitely thrives on that. Um, and a big part of that structure and routine is also a healthy lifestyle because I found that not being on medication when I'm, you know, say we go on a, a weekend vacation and I come back, things just seem foggier and I've been out of my routine. I've been out of my normal eating habits and not working out. So being in that routine just helps my brain function a little bit better. Do you work out in the morning first thing? I do. Yeah. Ah, 
And so have you, like me, come to this realization that that is literally what will jumpstart your day and make sure that it moves the way that you want it to move? Yeah. So you use it in place of medication, basically. I do. Yeah. It's that early morning dopamine hit. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then do you use a paper calendar or do you have everything online? I have both. I have everything online that'll give me that digital reminder, which is great. But I'm also, like I said, a list writer. So I have a planner that I use that I write everything down that I need to do that day that isn't so specific to the calendar, if that makes sense. So I use them calendars generally for meetings and things in events that I have to be at. And then the paper calendar are just other, I guess, my to-do list, if you will. Okay. So when you say um, calendars for events, et cetera, are you talking about like Google Calendar or, or what is it, iCal? Um, I use Outlook, but yeah, same thing. Outlook. Okay. Yes. Okay. And so it sends you reminders, what, the day of, an hour before, yep. five minutes, time, yeah. and the actual yeah, time. 15 yeah. minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Because I can find myself literally sitting there, I'm five minutes early, and I'm like, I've got five minutes. I can't just sit here, right? So I'll start working on something and I will literally miss the meeting if I don't get a reminder that, oh, the meeting's starting right now. Yeah, I've done that several times. It's, it's funny because I know that losing track of time can be a symptom of ADHD. And like you just mentioned, and I'm very much like a person where I don't like to have five minutes. So I'm very much like I need to be there right on time. I don't know what it is about me. I yeah. think it's just I get bored. So which will occasionally cause me to be late. I'm never usually like that late, but sometimes a couple minutes. Um, but there's something about being right on time that works for me. Being early just doesn't work. So I do always find myself rushing for that reason. Yeah, no, I'm exactly the same way. And I think for me, I don't even think it's boredom. I think it's the sense that because we don't understand time, we don't want to waste any. Mm-hmm. You know, I've often had this sense that time is so precious. And again, because I don't understand it, literally all of a sudden I can look up and it can be five years. Yeah. (laughs) And that's terrifying to me because I'm afraid I'm going to one day wake up and be at the end of my life. And so I just can't waste even a minute, you know, to just sit and do nothing. Yeah, very much so. Especially as an entrepreneur, I have this sense of like, oh, I have five minutes. I could be doing something that can be getting myself ahead or I can be checking off something on my list. So then, of course, it's the spiral of then I get hyper focused on it. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh, shoot, I only had five minutes and now we're 10 minutes later. And so, yes, I very much been there myself. If you've been listening for a while, I bet you're starting to see your strengths and dare I say brilliance. So maybe you can imagine what working with me might be like. I always tell ADHD women, once you know you have ADHD, you study what ADHD looks like in women and specifically what ADHD looks like in you. Forget about listening to all the experts. You don't need them. You already have the best expert on you and that's you. I teach ADHD women how to trust themselves and build their confidence, and that starts with really learning about who they are, what's truly important to them, and what they need to be happy. And that's exactly what we do in our six-week program. Your ADHD brain is A-OK. It includes my patented six-step program, 
live coaching with me, and a private community of women just like you. To join our new cohort, find out more at spyhappy.me forward slash AOK. Use the code PODCASTSASS, S-A-S-S, to get $500 off the program just for being a valued podcast listener. So now, let's get back to our podcast. Okay, so now we're going to talk about what I'm sure you love talking about because you love it. So, interior design. And I want to know, why do you love it so much? Like, what is it about interior design that just makes your brain happy? I think it's because I'm someone, too, who also thrives in an environment that feels like me, that feels like home, that's cozy. And I just, I want that for everybody else. I think that, and I know you've talked on your podcast many times, but I do think that our environments very much affect our psyche, our, our own brain, and kind of how we function. And so being able to do that in my own home, I found it was just as much fun to do it for others because I don't think people realize how much their home affects them until they have a home in a situation where they're in love with it. So I love to bring that to other people. Absolutely. Well, like you said, it's the dopamine, right? You wake mm-hmm. up in the morning, like if you saw what my surroundings look like, you would be <laughs> appalled. We have suitcases everywhere. Stuff is stacked all over. You know, my daughter brought in three suitcases because, you know, she's moving back. Uh, She's got other stuff in storage, but it's just such a mess. And you wake up and it's just jarring versus you wake up and you're in this beautiful screen surrounding. And I remember Oprah talking about that years and years and years ago, where how important your environment was. And that's when I first put two and two together. And I really started to not only invest in things that made me happy, right? Because you wake up and the first thing you see is something beautiful. It, it sets your day um, in the proper trajectory versus if you wake up and there's mess all around you, it definitely affects you, right? And oh yeah, just your your desire to get up and seize the day basically. And so I'm curious, did you grow up like that? Did you grow up in a setting where, you know, your parents really cared about what things look like around you and your home and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I always thought that my mom had a really good taste. I I still think she does. And I actually think that I learned a lot of what I know today from her. She always, she was the one that taught me, you know, what size, for example, artwork should go on what size wall. And she kind of helped me understand proportions, which is a big part. (laughs) Hey, I won't, I won't comment on that, but (laughs) I don't know if I showed everybody, but yeah. This is my son's apartment, and this is Frank Sinatra. And I don't think, you know, for a college kid, it was a surprisingly expensive piece. He loves Frank Sinatra, but I think it needs to come down. And I don't think it's big enough for the wall. Am I right? You would be correct. It's funny because a lot of times when someone will show me a room and they've got, say, artwork on the wall, and they're like, you know, what is it missing? It's almost always one of three things. Um, one of which is the size and proportion of things and also height. Um, people tend to hang things a little bit too high. There are some kind of general rules of thumb when it comes to hanging things on the wall. But also, like it could be a gorgeous piece of art, but if it doesn't look right in the room, it can throw off the entire aesthetic. And then there's also things like curtains, for example. I feel like when a room feels like it's missing something, generally curtains, we like to say, are like... Did you just say curtains? Curtains. Mm-hmm. So if a room's missing something, you think it's generally curtains? Is that what you just Yeah, well, I think it's size and proportion. Things just feel off. I think curtains are a big part of it because we like to think that they're like 
the um what would I say the jewelry of the room like they really just finish off the room yeah and then oftentimes it's also greenery so if it just feels like a little bit off like add a little plant here or there and it really could just help pull a room together okay so that is so interesting that you say that I live in the country we're on six and a half acres and we have a really beautiful property there's an acre and a half pond with you know ducks and geese and that we look out to, which is unusual even in our area in the country. And so because of that, I have always felt like I wanted to bring the outside in. So mm-hmm. I have never had curtains on any windows other than my kids. They've got, they had shades and my daughter had like a poo. However, this year I put in curtains in the master. I put shades and then curtains and I love it. Yeah. So I completely agree with you. It finally feels, nothing ever felt cozy. And I have this kind of Hamptons, like I've never even been to the Hamptons, but I've always loved the architecture and that, you know, how they decorate in the Hamptons. And so that's kind of what my house looks like from, you know, in the interior, it's a modern farmhouse. And so I thought that, okay, modern farmhouse, I'm not going to do anything on the windows, but you are so right. Just doing the windows in the master, it just feels like a completely different room. It does. It's truly the icing on the cake. And I think some people think like, oh, I have blinds. I don't need curtains. But actually, we find that we don't even use curtains the way they're intended. It's really just a decorative piece. They don't need to move. They can, Yeah, they can stay where they're at. That's what the blinds are for. But nobody closed the wood blinds (laughs) either. They're all open. But it just looks so intentional, right? That you mm-hmm. you put the extra time and energy into just adding that extra bit of, I mean, we, we didn't really need it. It was literally just for decorating and to make it look cozy. And I'm so glad we did it. And it is the first time, and I don't even know how many decades we've been married, that I have put curtains on a window. So yeah. I completely agree with you. Yeah. Okay, so how did we get to curtains? I can't remember. <laughs> what I wanted to know was why you loved it so much. And then why do you think you're so good at it? Like, obviously, you weren't formally trained in this. You just started doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like I said, it's, I actually don't know why I love it so much. But it truly, truly is that one thing that without intentionally doing it, I can just hyper focus on for hours. Like I can put my head down and start designing and I look up and I'm like, wow, it's five hours later. Have I eaten today? Like, it's just that one thing that I, I get so excited for. I remember when I bought my first condo, it was all I could think about. It consumed me. It was like, what size couch was I going to get? What, what was the rug going to look like? What was the vibe I was going for? And so when I was finished designing my place, I was like, well, no, who else? place can I do? And it was just the only thing that's ever truly affected me in that way. And I'm sorry, Tracy, what was the second question? Um, Why do you think you're so good at it? I would say it's something that's, of course, come with time. Like I mentioned earlier, I know my grandma did this. She was very good at it. She was a seamstress and owned her own business, kind of helping others with the fabrics in their home. And I think she passed that down to my mom, who is still super handy. She can still make her way around a sewing machine very well. And she'll fix things and and redecorate. She's currently redecorating her condo. Mm -hmm. Um, She taught me a lot, too. And I feel like I I know that people joke about things being your blood, which whether or not that is true or not, I I definitely think that's part of it. But it's something that's definitely I've learned more through time. Like, it's funny because when I decorated my home, my first condo three or four years ago, my style has evolved and I think I've gotten a lot better at it. I think there's more depth 
to my design now. So it's it's something that I just I care to keep working on, to keep learning about. And I take courses whenever I can. I take classes and I go to different markets and I'm just constantly wanting to learn. So I feel like it's continually surrounding myself in that environment helps me to continually involve or sorry, evolve uh, my business. Okay. What do you do when you have clients with really bad taste? And how do you keep your mouth shut or do you? I do. I, well, so occasionally it'll be like, we'll, we'll design a whole space for them that we love. But, you know, design is such a personal thing too. So we'll have clients that are like, hey, what do you think of this? And my job is to make them love their home. So while I might not love their choice, we'll often say, hey, here's why we chose this. And we'll give all of the reasons. Because I think, I think what happens oftentimes too is people think designers just pick pretty colors and fabrics and fluff pillows all day, but there's so much thought that goes into the process of it. And so oftentimes when someone's like, eh, why don't we just do this in this space? It's like, hey, well, here's why we chose this. Of course, your option is we're able to go with your option and work with it, but here's what we suggest. And honestly, nine times out of 10, they end up going with our suggestion because we have a reason behind it. So what you're basically doing is educating them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That is and actually I, most of our job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I say this all the time to people, don't educate me because the minute you educate me and I learn, and that's an awful thing to say, but for, oh, I don't know. I, I'm trying to give an example and I can't even think of what it is right now. But once I know why and I understand, for example, how this particular thing was put together, right? Then I can never forget that. And so I always have to have that quality and it just gets expensive. Yes. Yeah. I also don't think it's a bad thing though, because I feel like that's how we learn. Like, just like you mentioned earlier, like, do you oh, remember, like, we remember like some small details sometimes. Like, there are some things I remember that I'm like, why, why is that taking up space in my brain and not the things that really matter? But it's the little things I've learned along the way, even in this industry that I now use in my own design process. So I'm like, oh, I learned that. In fact, we actually work with, so especially during like the whole new build or renovation process, there's so much to learn. We have to know everything about everything. Um, so we lean on our vendors a lot. And it's, we were just having this conversation the other day, my employee and I, about how we're kind of gearing our, our vendors towards the ones that are more educational. Because sometimes like we'll select something and nine times out of 10, it's just for design. But if they're like, hey, here's why we recommend this exact product for the kind of clientele that you're working with. We don't forget that. And so when a client asks us questions in the future, we're able to regurgitate what we learned <laughs> through our vendors who have educated us. So yeah, it's worked both ways, which has been great. So you got started by just helping friends. Like mm -hmm. your friends realized that, oh, she's really good at this. Her place is always so cute. And so you started to help them. And so how did you make the jump from helping friends to actually building a business with your clients? So it got to the point where, so I helped, I should probably note, my entire family now lives down here in Charlotte and we all came down at separate times. There's five of us in my immediate family and three of which are boys. So my two brothers and my dad. And so it was every time they were moving, I was helping them select things. And then when I would hear about other guy friends or other, even just girlfriends moving down, I would help them. And I was like, you know, I should actually make this a little bit more serious so that they take me seriously and then let me really like flex my design muscles. 
So I started an Instagram and I I launched it as an e-design, which was really actually cool because I launched it end of 2019, early 2020, of course, at the beginning of the pandemic. And so e-design, meaning virtual design, I was able to help people while they were home. And so because people were home and sitting in their environments and suddenly realized like, oh, you know, I don't love my couch or I don't love that small piece of artwork on my wall. It just kind of snowballed. It really just grew from that Instagram page and by helping people and through word of mouth. And then one day I said, you know, I'm holding myself back from really getting to do what I want to do, which is see the product, touch and feel the product, get to work with the client. And so I just quit my job. (laughs) I quit my job and I was like, I'm going to go full time, full service. And so now we do everything from going to the client's home, measuring, taking photos. We'll put a full design together. And then once they're 110% in love with the design, we'll actually go ahead and procure all of the items. So we'll order everything and then we get to deliver and install, which is what was missing in the virtual part of it, and then style the space, which is those are the days that they're very stressful. They're very long, but the the reveal days are the days that I just live for. Um, Just getting to see the family's face when they come home to a fully decorated home is just... Is that how all interior design works where I've never hired an interior designer because I love to do it, right? So I'm curious, they leave and you go in and you set everything up and then they come home and it's all perfect? Yeah, it's a lot like, we like to say it's a lot like what you see on HGTV, but except for it doesn't happen in a 45 minute window. It happens over like a year to a year and a half. It's, It's definitely a long process you have to have some patience for, especially with the way the trades are right now. Everything is a little bit slower thanks to the pandemic, but it's really rewarding getting to just set it up and really style it in the way that we know the family is going to enjoy it for years to come. Okay. So this is a process that takes a year to a year and a half. It involves buying all kinds of things, ordering all sorts of stuff, remembering what's going to go where. How do you do all this? Because Knowing you have ADHD, the tagline is you shouldn't be able to do that, right? (laughs) Yeah. I think one thing that helps, and I think a lot of ADHD uh, or neurodivergent people would, would, would also agree with, is that if it's something that you truly love, you can totally immerse yourself in it. But I would say processes, processes, processes. So we have a full program that tracks everything. It tracks, um, we make purchase orders, we all invoicing, everything goes to this one program. Even some communication to our clients is through this program. We put all forms in there. So it's like, if it's not in there, I'm like, okay, it's out of sight, out of mind again. So we are very diligent about keeping everything in this program. And then when it comes to tracking, we're very lucky to work with, there's a whole detailed process to this, but we use receivers because I don't have a garage large enough to hold you know, couches and, and armoires and all that. But we use receivers. So they track everything for us. When it comes in, they inspect it, they wrap it back up, and then they store it until it's time for delivery day. So they let us know when things come in. And so we have a full process that goes along with that as well. I didn't even know that's a thing because I totally forgot about or I just didn't think about the fact that when stuff comes in, you've got to inspect it, right? And even for my own home, that's the kind of stuff I hate. Yeah. And it's almost like, I don't want to find anything. So if I don't look, you know, but you've got to look, right? Yeah. So I can imagine for a client, it's even more important. Yeah. That's so interesting. So two questions. Um, do you still do the e-design? 
I don't. I found that I wasn't I wasn't enjoying it as much because I was never really seeing the end product. It was like people would kind of piecemeal it or they would never send me the final photo. And so this allows me to fully give them the full experience and then also see it for myself. (laughs) Got it. Okay. And then how do you get your business now? Is it all pretty much word of mouth? It's some word of mouth. It's some social media. Um, I try and be as active as I can on social media, but of course, as a entrepreneur, you're just, you're wearing all of the hats. So I don't always, I'm not always as active as I should be. Um, but a big part of it is, is networking groups. I am a big oh. part of a local organization. It's the National Association of the Remodeling Industry. So it's, it's connecting with architects and builders in the area who are building these homes for clients who are in the industry every day. So say you're building a custom home, for example, it would be very overwhelming for someone who's new to this to go to the plumbing store, to the tile store, to yeah. the flooring store, and then have to select everything and, and know it's going to be cohesive. So we're usually brought onto those projects um, to help bring everything together and to take that stress off the client's plate. Yeah. I think my problem with um, interior design and the fact that I've never hired an interior designer is I couldn't find anyone good. Like, I couldn't find anyone that I really, you know, I'm fairly good at it. So my thought was, oh, I'll just save the money and I'll do it myself. But if I could have found someone who I trusted could do a much better job than I could do, I would have totally done it. So how do you find an interior designer? Like, if we don't live in Charlotte. If we live in Charlotte, we're going to you. But if we don't live in Charlotte, how do you find a good interior designer? Well, luckily, there's a lot of places now. So there's, of course, Pinterest. You can always find people posting on Pinterest. Um, a lot of designers are willing to travel. One day, I would like to be able to do that. I'm not there yet. It's just then having to find all the new vendors and resources in that specific <laughs> yeah. area. Um, gosh, I mean, Instagram, of course, is a big one. Um, even just researching, you know, top designers in your area, you'll find... You'll find many different designers and all of us generally have our own tastes. So a big thing I would always recommend to people is find one that you connect with Like you, when you're looking at their portfolio, if you see things that resonate with you. I think a cool thing too is that in working with a designer, you can see a lot of pictures that are beautiful pictures, but the right designer will ask you the right questions that make sense for you and your family. So I like to make sure I know how a function a family functions and what their style is. I'll ask some very basic questions even just as like, what colors do you like? What colors do you not like? I have a client, I laugh. She's like, we hate the color yellow. Do not use yellow in our home. So we really, yeah, I know. I love it too. But we really try and get to know our clients as best as possible so that we're designing for them and not for us. So is it like um, when you are looking for a therapist, you really want to make sure that you connect with them and you just like you like them personally. You'd want to hang yeah. out with them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Okay. What's my next question? What's next for your business? Oh, gosh, that is a loaded question. We're working on getting more new builds and renovations. We've really, mm-hmm. really enjoyed that. Our We started doing a lot of furnishings and we love furnishings. But I think that's like the cherry on top of the home. But we're really enjoying the renovation and new build process. So it's kind of building that part of the business, which is great. 
further down the road, but I would love to have some sort of retail shop, whether it's just e-commerce um, or a brick and mortar one day. I just think it would be so fun to curate things that I love and think other people will love and allow them to be able to shop those items. Got it. I know that you have an assistant and people push back on me all the time when I tell them, if you are in business, you need to hire an assistant. And the business will come after that because mm-hmm. they're going to do all the things that you've been avoiding and not doing, which has prevented your business from moving forward. So I am curious, what did it do to finally hire an assistant for your business? And you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It, it's just so nice to know that if I'm in a client's home or I'm on site anywhere or I'm sourcing materials that something else is getting done. It's not, yeah. I'm away from my computer. So things aren't getting done it used to be the full mentality. Um, but truly I would be lost without her. She's been so wonderful. She's actually, I was originally hiring for an admin, but being newer to the business, I was like, gosh, how do I pass on the admin work when I'm still learning it myself? Um, so she actually quickly became my senior designer um, and does a lot of the design work. We have very similar taste and I'm very much like the high level, like, hey, here's what I'm thinking. And then she'll pull it together and then we'll tweak things together and then present it to the client. And truly, I would be lost without her. She's she's like the best thing that's happened in this business. I'm also a firm believer and I know people think that hiring someone is an expense but I actually think it's a revenue generator, like you mentioned. I think yes. it's people are always hesitant, but I'm like, no, no, no. Just think of all the time you'll free up if you have the ability to go out and get more business. Yeah. And I think the best thing ever is when, like, for example, I'm here in New York. I'm running around like a chicken without a head. There's been a lot of stuff happening in my family. And the best thing is when I am able to move things forward and get things done and I don't have to do it. You know, I've got people working on my my book page, my team page, my website, and it's it's a whole team of people, unfortunately, because I just can't find one person, right? Yeah. And what I was walking around the streets, you know, looking at apartments with my daughter, and I told my daughter, the best thing is that I don't have to do any of this. I've gotten to the point where everybody I'd have in place, I just trust them so much. Mm-hmm. And I know that they actually can do a much better job than I can. Yeah. And that means it's getting done and it's getting done right. Yeah, absolutely. I heard some someone say once that it's always really good to hire someone smarter than you, yeah. um, especially like in those those fields. Like she also came, she went to school for design and so she's got like the very technical brain and she knows she knows the programs that I just never had a chance to learn. And so while I'm like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. And then she can whip it up in that program and see it in 3D. And I just truly am so grateful for her. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. And so then when you finally do hire an admin, it'll be an admin for you and her. Yes. And I can't w- wait for that day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was on your Instagram and I saw, and I just love this, that you are redesigning a domestic violence shelter yeah. um, for women. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So it's actually it's actually for men or women um, and their uh, children, which is really great. Families. Um, so we selected, I saw this uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines, which I'm sure you're familiar with yeah. on HGTV. <laughs> yep. They had done, I think it was a children's shelter years and years ago, and it just stuck with me. It just was something I'd always wanted to do. I was like, what a cool opportunity to like change mm-hmm. the life. Like we said, the environment just truly matters. 
Um, And so it had been on my mind, been on my mind. And so I eventually brought it to that organization. I'm part of that National Association of the Remodeling Industry. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, I have this crazy idea where I just want to pick a local shelter um, and just see what we can do and, and remake some spaces. And so over the course of, I don't know, six to eight months, we've been designing four of their spaces, four of their common areas. And it's two kids spaces and two, um, like a meeting space and a sitting area. Um, because truly it's, it's currently it's gray and very drab and kind of sad. And they're already going through a very tumultuous time. And so just to be able to come in there and just make it something that they walk into the room and they just can't wait to come back the next day to, to play with the new toys or, you know, see things that are matching. And they just, I think it's going to be huge, um, huge for their mentality. And so how are you going about doing that? So you guys are doing the design and then are there people that are donating whatever furnishings you need or the, you know, paint or whatever? Yeah, we're very lucky to have so many people who are just willing to help in that group. Um, We've got, this group is compiled of people who are in the remodeling industry, obviously. So it's contractors, painters, millwork people. So I really hit the jackpot in working with these guys. People were were throwing their cards at me being like, hey, I can do something. I can do something. So we've got someone building like a really pretty window bench and someone else building shelving. And so it's going to be really neat where we partner with like the Home Depot, for example, and they're donating paint. And so people could not wait to get their hands and, and get their hands dirty, if you will. So um, yeah. When, when will it be done? November 2nd is the target date. Oh, gosh, that's exciting. And I'm sure yeah. we'll see it all over your Instagram. Yes. Yep. There okay. is a link to donate if anyone's interested. It's oh, in, okay. It's in, so you're going to, so say what it is yep. and then we'll so put it in show notes. On my Instagram page and my bio, um, Instagram, I know we'll say it later, but it's Stephanie Calderon Interiors. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a link to our Amazon page just asking for some things like, you know, very affordably priced to a little bit more expensive. So anyone who, you know, whatever their financial situation, if they want to help, they're able to. Yeah. And we're so, so very grateful for anything that anyone's able to contribute. That's great. So what do you think the key to living successfully with ADHD is? Ooh, I would say understanding what works for you and then being diligent and staying on top of it. I think it's like, like I said, structure works for me. And I realize when I start to let that fall behind, then my brain also starts to fall with it. The big part of it is giving yourself grace. Like I mentioned earlier, I used to beat myself up for a lot of things and now I just understand how things work and I try and give myself grace for it. And then I think a big thing that your podcast has taught me is to look at things like they're a superpower. So really just looking at the positives of what the ADHD brain does for you, I think has been hugely beneficial in my journey. Wonderful. Do you have a number one ADHD workaround? Ooh. I feel like a repetitive person, but I would say the list making. <laughs> list making. I, okay. Yeah, I think it's just making sure that I, I'm on top of what it is I have to do because like I've mentioned a few times, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. And you know what? We walk against structure and we need structure so much. And the minute we set it up for ourselves, the anxiety dissipates, right? And so mm-hmm. our brain is so much clearer and it works. And I guess list making would be part of that structure that keeps you keeps you going and knowing where you know knowing where you're going right what what the next step is 
Absolutely. So where can people find you if they want to know more about you and what you do? Sure. So I have a website. It is www.stephaniecalderoninteriors.com. And then you can find me fairly active on Instagram at Stephanie Calderon Interiors. I always um, I look at interior designers and anybody that's in, you know, the arts, basically the visual arts, which I consider interior design to be part of that. And I'm always jealous because you have so much to take photos of and so much beauty that to me, it would be the best Instagram account to manage. So I don't know what you're complaining about. (laughs) What's funny is it's the time I need to start adding that to my list, I suppose, is uh, time to work on the Instagram because my phone is full of photos uh, and we've had professional photos taken. I just need to find the time to actually post them. It's so bad. Or, or get someone who can literally go through all your photos, tag good ones, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't even need big old stupid captions. You literally can just post the images. And maybe you're the... So there was... um Gosh, what is her name? She's a, a hairstylist, but she's a hairstylist. I mean, she's got um, an online business and then a, an, an offline business. And when COVID hit, she taught... Um, people had to cut their own hair in their home and she's built an international business off of it. She developed a new way to cut a shag. She's just really on trend. And, and anyway, what she's told me about Instagram is she only posts in the moment. She said that when she finds that she has to do all the scheduling and planning, it's never going to happen. It's never going to be good enough. So she will only post because, you know, she cuts hair. And so that's mm-hmm. another one that it's so visual when she feels it, she takes a photo and that's that's what she does rather than the planning because, yeah, but I can't do either one. So, I'm, <laughs> you know, this is like, the, yeah. what, what is that? Someone telling someone else what to do. There's a phrase when they're not even doing it themselves. Yeah, I, I definitely think that, um, like we talked about earlier, maybe hiring someone more part time, if you will, to help with social media would be would be my next move. Oh, my gosh, because there's so many. Well, I see what you already post and it seems so great. So I can only imagine that you're going way up from there. So (laughs) anyway, Stephanie, thank you so much for spending time with us here today. Thank you, Tracy. I'm so honored to have been a part of today. Yeah, no, it was super fun. So that's what I have for you for this week. If you like this episode with Stephanie, please let us know by leaving a review. Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they too may discover their amazing strengths. As always, you're listening to ADHD for Smartass Women. Come join me at tracyoutsuka.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Outsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, it's also the name of our free Facebook group. We're a totally smartass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. Join us at tracyoutsuka.com where you can also find more information on our Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system. I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.